Welcome, all you BC WrestlePod fans, back to the Just Three Gents AEW Dynamite review for this week. Uh, as you can see, we are really just kind of the metaphorical Just Three Gents because tonight it's the professor and it's myself, JBL, coming to you live to talk about this stuff. Mikey is uh, doing his duty as part of a wedding, and you can't fault him for that. He has other friends outside of this weird wrestling business, so good on you, Mikey, for doing that. But uh, I think the Johns can hold down the fort. We can uh, make this work. Yeah, John's are good at this. We've done this before. We're, we'll try and stay on task. <laughs> Never going to happen. The two no, of us are tangent monkeys. However, before we get to all those tangents and the rest of AEW tonight, I do want to reiterate to everyone else, thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you for supporting us on all of our socials and our channels at, at BC WrestlePod. Subscribing to the channel, of course, and hitting that uh, notification bell so you can get all the updates on when we drop our long reviews, our short reviews, Mikey's shorts... Not the literal ones, but the ones about short, you know, pieces. And, of course, our live watch-alongs for a bunch of different wonderful wrestling events. And with all the news and everything changing in the wrestling world, you definitely want to keep up with us as well. Because we don't do the news. We just tell you why this sucks or is good. And we want that the same from you in the comments below. We're, Mikey was saying we're sort of in that borderline journalism place. We just don't have enough connections. Like, we're trying to do that as best we can, but we have the opinions for things. The last... For anyone following, or this is probably a time capsule now, look up the date and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. There's a lot of things going on the last three to four weeks. Like, oh, oh my yeah. God. Either way, we are here to give you our opinions because they are not facts. We are, of course, not journalists. Uh, going over AEW from the 7th of February of 2024. Uh, that'll date the video. We know that's not a great thing. But you know what? These are weekly. They come out all the time. It's what's going to happen. If you're writing John, a report. You watch this see- separately. You're what? We watched this separately. We did, yes. We had different opinions on it. I know there was a couple of texts going back and forth, but with all the stuff in the other companies, this kind of got given to the wayside, and I feel like, in certain ways, it was allowed to just kind of be its own thing. It was not really going to be promoted highly and still had a couple of big matches on it. Yeah. Uh, Matches that surprised me, things that I read on paper and went, oh, God. Uh, Like, we've talked about my questionable disdain for trios matches and how sometimes they work or don't work. We'll talk about that here tonight. <laughs> the, Sting and Darby and sort of where are we going? What are we doing? That looking at that on paper and me going, okay, fine. But actually had some interesting storylines and stuff happened in there that I was uh, surprised to see. Uh, as normal, you're shaking your head at stuff Taz says. Uh, Excalibur had a great line at the top about the Phoenician audience or something like that. (laughs) Yes. What did you just say? (laughs) Um, The followers of the Phoenix or whatever that would end up being in the Greek. I don't know. Isn't that Edge Copeland and all those like lovely people in her household? Is that different? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, That's what the little ones are. They're Phoenicians, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) So so yeah, I, I, I was... It's hard, and we talked about this and wrestling in general since the new year. We've had these ups and downs, but we had like three weeks to go somewhere, and then whereas one promotion kind of ran into a wall and things have shattered, this one is kind of plateaued, but they're slowly creeping up, like they're trying to fight it, make it work. And of course, we'll have opinions about it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk through it at that point. Basically, what you can see from this is a company on the edge of doing something with a couple of people coming in, perhaps having that extra gear thrown at them, or mm-hmm. in a weird way having Groundhog Day happen until someone pops out and sees their shadow, which was kind of what happened here because this is, again, a rerun of a fight that we've had for the last, basically, year. But this was a new flavor on the Hangman page, Swerve Strickland rivalry going on at so this point. So is this five? This is five. Five, I believe. Right? Yes. Yeah, it's got to be. It's five somewhere was, in there. Yeah. The first one was just because. The second one was because Mogul Embassy interfered one. in the first one. The third one was Angry Face. And then the fourth one was blood, the bloody thing. And then this would be five, right? Uh, yes, I believe Maybe. this is five. It's either four or five, but we're, we're about there now. This has gone farther than the, than the rubber match. But and we've gotten into this now because this uh, the stakes at this point were whoever won this one because they're in the rankings they're tied would become the number one contender to take on Samoa Joe for the AEW title mm-hmm. this you know was a big match put out last week and you would think this would have been their closer their headliner no this opened the night and yeah. this was a 30 minute time limit match which that takes up a good chunk of your first part of the show which I actually enjoyed in that respect because the small amount of matches that didn't go too long we didn't have a lot of picture and picture breaks that were going to be a problem mm-hmm 
at the same time, you have two wrestlers who can carry a match together and seeing them work this, they went through the greatest hits of pretty much the entirety of their last couple of bouts up until the point of bleeding and took it to the limit. I think, yeah, this this ran the risk of stale and like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, but as we said in the group chat, and as a few other people noticed, like always these two bring it. They work really well, well together. They've been working well together continuously. There was a f- some, I stopped taking notes a few times because I was just, oh, I'm going to watch this. And they were doing great things. They, they were working the crowd. Interesting that Taz was sort of talking about how the fans had changed their mind on different things and they sort of cheer for those people now and they never used to. And in context, you're talking about Swerve. Out of context, are you talking about what are you talking about, Taz? Like, there's some coded language in what you just said, not to totally get us demonetized. But Taz was basically commenting on race and racism and or whatever was going on in the crowd. And it didn't come off right. So there was kind of a dip in the commentary for about five seconds of like, what'd you say? Well, Back you're to the match. Excalibur and Tony Schiavone trying to talk about that stuff. That's not a thing they even want to get near. No. I... I will say it did sound like it was a scripted thing put in there that Taz realized probably had to be done later, but because the crowd had gotten so fervently behind Swerve, he had to throw it in there. I think that that might have been that, yeah. I will give credit to Hangman for playing it up and going after the fans for coming after him. Um, I also wrote down here, uh, Swerve's Buckshot Lariat is much prettier than uh, Hangman's at that point. That's fair, yeah. It was kind of a fun nod to each other. I thought that was funny. There was a... Oh, yeah. There was a stretcher in the middle where Swerve was going to get tossed out and then wasn't. And I thought Swerve got hurt. And then, of course, you know, the table breaks <laughs> like you do. <laughs> These things happen. Um, there are a few but things not in the, the middle way, that... But not the way you want it to break. It breaks <laughs> right, just yeah. like the correct way. <laughs> um, so there are a few... I think they got a little ahead of each other a few times. Uh, yeah. Adam Page almost knocked himself out on the steel steps. If you go back and watch that. Like, oh, I thought that was he, crazy. I thought... I thought he got himself initially. And I was like, we're going to the replay. He's like, yeah, let me watch this man die. Oh, he's fine. But came within inches of just clack right then and there. Same on the DDT that he took off the off the barricade there because he, he fell down first and nearly clocked himself mm-hmm. up the stairs again. Mm-hmm. I thought that Deadeye through a table was wild to watch. Like there was some really, I don't think they tried to outdo previous matches they just went out there to go to work and i think that's why this worked so well uh they outlasted each other to the point that and i love the timing on this they got it to the one two and it wasn't an ooh it was the time limit draw swerve pissed off so much because he had just gotten finally got the upper hand and then he does the babyface thing five more minutes and page says no and that was just like that's the perfect double turn. I didn't expect a double turn in this. I didn't think they would turn Hangman fully heel, mm-hmm. and they went for it because Swerve's not a face. He's you know an anti-hero at best. Sure, but you've got that good kind of rapport with it that it can definitely work. And now with those two working against Joe, you've got the three phases. You've got the anti-hero. You've got the newly turned babyface who's going down the dark path, and you've got the big boss. Yeah, in this triple threat that's going to be happening at Revolution. Oh man, I, I I got flashbacks of the uh, MJF Adam Cole doing this from a long time ago. Like that was just so great to, to me. Uh, I, I put this in my short list for matches of the year, just things to go back to to watch eventually because it was just so wild to watch. It was. I I. I mm, yes. This is a rivalry that there's heel and face doesn't matter anymore. Right, because they're just both work so well together and they are just going after each other. And I think we said this last week, they had the promo where they're just basically trying to make each other laugh. Like, you know, behind the scenes, they're just calling each other shots and, and having fun doing this stuff. And we've also talked about on this review that you gotta start Dynamite with a bang or else the rest of Dynamite just falls flat. I don't know what that is with the Wednesday night crowd or how these Dynamites have been working, but if that first match is no good, it's really hard to get that momentum back. And sadly, the women's booking usually is what gets caught up in the wake of that stuff. Uh, Orange Cassidy had a great run for, I don't know, 10 months opening every single dynamite, right? And then we kind of got away with that with Moxley and some matches that kind of didn't hit or miss. And then we had some tag stuff that kind of didn't work. This one set the tone. 
And this is sort of an example of like, when we start, boom, let's go. Let's not cut away, let's fight for this thing. Let's make it worthwhile. I kind of love that it's a, uh, I did not like Tony Schiavone going, wait, 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 hang on. I'm getting a message from Tony Khan, which is a little too sticky for me. Well, I think he was in the wrong ear too, because Khan's always in the left ear and he was in the right ear getting it. So obviously this was coming from, you know, the other backstage area. So that's going to blow out. Yeah. That's going to break the fourth wall for me every time now. I have no chance. Um, Tony Khan, who, who has no shadow, which we could talk about another time. (laughs) We'll talk about the big announcement. Uh, I think that was a little tropey, but fine. I, I think this should have been a th- fatal three-way from the beginning, or whatever they're going to call it. Like, I think it should have been that from the get-go. I love Swerve's reaction. I really love Samoa Joe's promo about it. So I'm excited for this. This made me interested. Cutting to that backstage afterwards, after the whole thing, I'm not extending it, and then being made into a triple threat. <laughs> Renee has to do her job, asks Samoa Joe how he's feeling, and he turns and goes, oh, I'm full of joy and merriment. How do you think I'm feeling? (laughs) Samoa Joe is easily the top two or three promo folks AEW has. Anything Samoa Joe has to read or say or do, he makes everyone better. I I did write down, like, Renee, cute denim skirt. Nice, like, rocking rocking (laughs) the Canadian look. Renee makes these promos better, and I, I don't know if she gets the recognition she should we talk about renee because right, we do it feels like renee's holding up a lot of the backstage stuff i thought this was a great promo i'm i thought samoa joe was going to talk himself out of it because he had that arc at one point about you got to get in line or you got to earn this or right. that and i thought he was going to talk his way into a thing but that didn't really happen so i'm i'm much intrigued yeah this is gonna be fun He's making it all the more stakes at that point, and he also bringing up the fact that he can lose the title without actually physically losing it is huge for him as well. Well, he's got to have that in the back of his head. So, man, I, I'm interested to see what they do. Like, what do they do? Samoa Joe just got it. You're going to give it to him for what? Four months? Three months? How long's that been? Like, not you, too too long. You've got a lot of good contenders. Yeah, really, really, like, and that's the case he built up. I mean, this is just falling at the end of it. But this was a good kind of little uh, change of pace as we jumped into our next segment. Mm-hmm. So. Professor, I don't know how you feel. I mean, again, you talked about how the women's matches and the women's booking usually ends up getting in that lull or in a weird place for stuff, so it can kind of affect them. I felt, watching this match with Tony Storm taking on Red Velvet, it was not a lull match. There was a lot of great stuff going on. What killed me was Deanna Perrazzo on commentary, which she's trying to, like, fill the Tony Storm role that's been going on, and she just, after a little bit of interaction with folks, she just went quiet? Like, as if she was watching, but just there wasn't interaction with Taz. There wasn't interaction with anyone else. And I get that she's, you know, she's the virtuosa. She doesn't, she wants to her, her moves to sure. be talking. But the problem is that that came off more as she doesn't know how to be a babyface on commentary. She doesn't know how to be a babyface as a wrestler. She's better suited mm. as a heel, which, again, happened here because Tony Storm was the babyface against a heel Red Velvet in this. Even though Tony Storm is a heel, she's getting cheered just like Swerve. Yeah, I think you've kind of diagnosed that pretty well, actually. Uh, I, there were a few quick, witty quips behind the commentary table. One uh, she threw at Taz, one that uh, Shivani had there. They're talking about Tony Storm and some history stuff, which kind of fell flat. I think that was on paper, and then there was no banter, and then they let no. it go. Yeah. So I agree. I don't know if she got caught up in watching the match. I'm not sure if she wasn't sure what her role at commentary would be. It felt kind of like not to jump to another promotion, but when someone like Kevin Owens gets on commentary, where they're just kind of there to take up space because they don't want to be there, I think that's not quite exactly. But you know what I mean? You have this sort of awkward element in between that. But that's still the heel aspect of it at that point because you're not sure. giving them to the fans at all. Whereas with this, you know, the other part is I know that we're, we've been spoiled having Tony Storm on commentary with her character the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And you really can't top that because no. she's so into what her character is and how it's evolved that she can play all those campy, fun, out there things. Whereas Deanna's mm-hmm. is so much more tied to who she really is and it's her mm-hmm. turned up to 11. There's not as much room for her to kind of be mm-hmm. out there and taking shots as it wouldn't be her anyways. In the ring, she doesn't do that either. Sure, and, and I wonder if her investment in this match might have played a role, because Red Velvet kind of out of nowhere last week, I'm facing you, and now this week it's happening. 
and it was such a good match. There's a part it of me was. that one, there, there's a part of me that wonders, like, I have no time to talk. Look at look at what you're seeing in front of you. Oh yeah, great match. These two, they worked incredible together. Even the stuff that was kind of misfired, kind of not there, they still recovered and made some really smooth adjustments and things in there. Like I again, and I say this every week, I feel like I I stopped taking notes to watch them. The technical Tony, stuff, the technical stuff was on display. Like it was fun. Tony has, and I've noticed this over the last couple of matches. She's always had a fluidity. She's always had a kind of a brutality to her style. She's added a stiltedness to play off that twenties, thirties vibe of like if mm-hmm. I'm acting on the screen, it's very jilted and weird, and it doesn't take away from what she's doing, yeah. which is incredibly hard as a performer to tweak your own style to another style that is not your own to a genre. I mean, as improvisers, we know, like, you're playing switching genres and you're still trying to keep the, the scene going. That's what she's doing, but she's doing it physically, and it's incredibly harsh. She's doing it physically with, like, four-dimensional chess stuff. I am in this 1940s golden Hollywood, and you are not. So I'm honoring both. Like, oh, gosh, that uh, running hip thrust butt the hip thing. Attack, yes. hip, t- hip attack, which we could call it a bit. Uh, that's my my wife was reading a book and she looked up at that moment and went whoa like they were they were hurting each other they were it was great to see I love seeing Red Velvet very impressed by Red Velvet and what what she was doing and, uh, yeah, was and Tony sequence. pulls Tony pulls out an ankle ankle lock out of yeah. nowhere which is a nod to Diana being a submission virtuoso are we going to see a submission match at Revolution now because if she's whipping that out like uh, Austin did against Bret Hart at WrestleMania mm-hmm. is this where we're going with it and stares her down. And Deanna, Deanna clocks that. Like, is she staring at me? Is she staring at me? And then the hold goes on for too long, and Deanna gets into the ring, uh, which we'll talk and about that sniff. moment. And what? And the sniff. And that, okay. I can say this. That moment, I felt that moment. I'm trying not to get us demonetized. That we, we see you pervs. <laughs> we, see, we see you pervs out there. That was definitely a moment of like, that just happened. And just speaks to the history and the familiarity of those two, and that, and how that, can oh man, whoo! That to me is two people that have gone up and down the road that have done everything together. That's that's something I the two guys who've been on an improv team for five years, and just to make each other laugh as they're doing everywhere else, you go up and you sniff somebody or you smell pretty to start a scene and just do things right, right. It's like I don't know, and yeah. I don't think she was holding back laughter. She was genuinely, are we going there? Is this happening? And yeah, you, I gotta be careful. I don't want to speak to the demographic, but there was a subset of people in that arena who definitely felt a few things in a few ways they probably haven't felt before. They were waiting for the shoot to come off. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, great. This this was not caught in the wake like we were talking about. If anything, it doubled the momentum we were already going out with. Yeah, as, as, as we said, the commentary is what, what kind of took it down, and unfortunately it was partially because of the people that were usually there, Taz, Tony Schiavone, and Escalibur, who hate women's matches and hate calling them, unless they're enticed to, and then Deanna didn't bring much to it because she's working uphill against these guys to try to get into the air cross. Which is tough, yeah. yeah. Which, we then go backstage to Renee again carrying an amazing promo with the best friends, <laughs> yes. talking about how Orange Cassidy's going to be taking on you know, folks, in the next uh, couple of days, you know, he's going to be beat up before he has a, a tag match with the best friends. They're sowing the seeds of Trent again, maybe breaking up with best friends because, for God's sake, he's been doing that since the inception of AEW. Rocky Romero putting that out there. Then they're talking about how uh, their friend Chuck is still recovering from injury. They got to go find him somewhere. Orange is all about that. And Renee stops him from leaving. He's like, no, no, guys, you're a team. Come on, come on, bring it in, bring it in. <laughs> they do like a half hearted, like rah rah thing. It's just like, of course, Renee, you're like, you're trying to keep the best friends together when they're obviously splitting apart. Come on. It's adorable. It's fun. (laughs) You know, we're sort of in that. What AEW, I think, does really well is this ensemble of I'm ultra serious. I'm goofy. I'm a professional. I'm not. It's kind of not too dissimilar from the D&D RPG that we played here in Biconics not too long ago. So many different characters and things. And they all kind of live in the same world. And the only through line is Renee. Who's <laughs> just holding all of them together like, okay, so you're here, you're here. Making sense of it. This was this was classic. And they're great at it. I had a fun 
And I enjoy when you're backstage interviewers. They're they're not always going to be you know that that removed journalists. Like they have yeah. a, a lot of stuff in with these wrestlers. They travel with them, so it's good to see them every once in a while. Like, oh guys, you're our friends. Like we want you to be part of this. I'm part of the family too. Don't let me down. You know, don't let Renee down. That could be a problem. Not Renee. Yeah. <laughs> or my husband will come and kick your. Anyway, uh, speaking of what she did then next in the next match because we had the Blackpool Combat Club versus the CMLL uh, Troopers, led by Hechicero. Uh, also, it was, uh, uh, what was it? Mascara, uh, Mascara Dorado and Boladar Jr. Um, mm-hmm. with the rest of CMLL sitting at ringside. This was... I don't know how you felt about it, John, because I feel like part of me was like, oh, John Moxley for this whole run is getting all of his comeuppance for all the crap he's done to Luchadors for the entirety of the last year, and this sure. is probably building to that. It also was fun to see the different, like, flow of the styles, like, you know, the fight versus Lucha style. But at the same time, I'm going, like, this was a spot fest that probably could have cut, like, five minutes off of it and would have been fine. A couple of times there were a couple of botches that were a little scary. But in general, it wasn't. A few botches that were scary. Everyone do. The last two weeks have been bad for jumping off the ropes into a black backflip holding the hands thing. NXT had a botch. There was a botch here. Uh, there was another one on, on one um, TNA or Impact or something that looked like, ooh, that's scary. So yeah. folks have been slipping on those ropes trying to rush that move for some reason. This is when when the internet goes, it's a spot fest. This is kind of what I think. Is every There's six guys. Each of them takes their spot for 30 seconds and you just add 20 minutes to a match dialing those in. To use a phrase we use her a lot, this was clunky to me. Uh, this is sort of the downside of the trios matches like I've talked about here before, where they had a plan, there were spots where they were going to riff and create things, and they all kind of felt flat or got dangerous or weren't quite, uh, they didn't quite hit or they were just a little late or there was the that. The Luchadors were still figuring out the rules of the American match because remember in Lucha sure. style, they don't have to tag to come in. As soon as they come over the rope, they're in. Sure. And the ref is trying to like remind them of that, but also keep the pace moving. And meanwhile, you know, you've got BCC who are working a technical style, which works when they're huh. wanting to be worked with. But then it seemed like a couple of the a couple of the guys, uh, Mascara Masca, uh, Dorado, for one, just seemed like he was like, I know I have to do six things in this match. And I don't know where I'm going to put them, but they got to be here. Sure. And it's not understanding how to work the in-betweens whatever that off the turnbuckle code red thing that claudio threw that thing was gorgeous out of it was nowhere. a sunset flip into a code into a basically canadian destroyer okay that i was, I was like i'm not sure that it does that and it looked awesome commentary covered it because because moxley's there waiting for the to stop the pin but moxley was there so early it was even the ref had five seconds to think about. Oh, I guess I should count one, yeah, two. John, like there was so much time in that spot. Well, and, and the slow count after the four fifty splash, the ref sure. was out of position trying to come yeah. around. Like the two long came right in. It there was a lot of moving parts, and I feel like yeah. it was going too fast for some folks, too slow for others. Yeah. The biggest thing that got me though is that for all that hard work they did, for all the stuff they got to. It ends on a ref bump exactly. and a dick kick. Like that's the American that's, way. <laughs> but it's disrespectful to sure. not only the luchadors, but disrespectful to the BCC guys. They're smart in this. They proved this. They've gotten sure. away with cheating a lot worse than this. Claudio basically Manhattan dropping somebody on his knee is what leads you to the end of this match. Like you didn't need to cheat that way. You needed yeah. to cheat, but not cheat that way. I'm not sure if that was an in-the-moment thing or if that was a, hey, bring it home or where we were at. I'm not sure. I didn't. I thought it could have been a better ending. I didn't hate the ending. I was more confused about the ending after the ending, which... Oh, we, you mean we'll, the, the we'll run out of HR and uh, and the uh, the front desk people coming out to help what out? What are we doing? This, this is so awkward and weird. It doesn't quite hit for me. And Taz, Taz again, trying to pile on... Uh, thought he was throwing gasoline on the fire, but really kind of just threw sand on it. At the end of the match, we just have this clearinghouse of all everyone, all the luchadors coming out to fight Blackpool Combat Club, but then AEW and Joan from Payroll, and everyone's coming out. But the, the folks, invasion. But everyone they're sending are all folks that were like, hey, you're here. It's it's not. <laughs> hey, you need a paycheck, didn't you? <laughs> we got a, oh, here's your salary. You showed up. 
oh my god, the summer intern's coming out. We thought we were fired two weeks ago. <laughs> that would be great to hear Giovanni be like, it's Carl the intern! It's Jeff the coffee guy! They're here! They're here! <laughs> They're about to mix it up like my oat milk in a black coffee this morning! He forgot to bring it to me! Yeah. Taz made, that's what it was. Taz made a comment about coming out of retirement. Like, I'm oh, going to come out of retirement and be on TAEW. I'm going to be on Team Taz. It's like, you just said you were coming out of retirement to fight this pseudo-Mexican invasion from behind a table. Taz, stop talking. Like, what no, are you no, doing? And trying to paint them as disrespectful when obviously it's the other way. It's like, that. okay, you're trying to heal, ref. I get it. However, you are in Arizona where people are going to believe you. Uh, Oh, he's from Red Hook. He's a he's a New Yorker. They'll never believe it. <laughs> so, I just kind of I was like, what? Why are we saying these weird things out loud? Because Taz didn't even come out of retirement to save Hook from a windshield. Like, never. Like or from Samoa Joe, or, or from Samoa Joe, or any of these horrible things happening to Hook. You're gonna come out because of it. Come on. It's Carl the intern. I gotta go save him. Taz is back to save Carl. I don't know. I'm, His theme music is just a bunch of coffee orders he has to remember as he's writing. Yeah, we, we got this whole thing. We'll plan it out. This is a great thing for that one of those wrestling RPGs we can do. Just Carl the intern. Or well, is, this, Carl, is this just going to grow and grow and grow? So that so now next week we're going to have eight versus eight. And then we're going to interfere. And then the rest of the... Uh, was it CM? CM? Oh, 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 hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm getting a thing from Tony Khan in my right ear. It's in this one. It's going to be an eight on eight uh, lamination match. Uh, they're going to be putting together badges up front for the AEW staff. Whoever gets clearance first can leave the ring to actually exactly. walk out of the <laughs> They'll be booking their flight path for the entire rest of the AEW oh staff here. Whoever gosh. gets to the arena first is the winner of the invasion. <laughs> oh, no, the badge. It's upside down. It's upside down. It won't go through the card we, reader. We forgot Carl can't read. <laughs> this, these are the tangents you get without Mikey being here as we go off and find fun things to figure out as we go along. Oh, it'd be so but the thing is, for us, going on that point isn't as weird as what happened next. There was a hard cut to Chuck Taylor being beat up backstage by the Undisputed Kingdom for no reason. I mean, I know that Roddy's like playing mind games with Orange Cassidy, but again, we still have like a month until Revolution. Like, all hell, yeah, all hell's breaking loose in the ring, and Siobhan is going, We have a disturbance out back! We have a disturbance out back! And then, oh, forgot the- it's like, What? No, what? Huh? That could have been timed a little better. That was kind of strange. Well, and then the hard cut on the, on the camera, too. Like, they weren't done in the ring, and all of a sudden, like, Christopher Daniels <laughs> is about to throw a punch, and they cut to Chuck Taylor getting beat up. Again, this this is trying to further a storyline that hasn't made sense since they started it. And then Adam Cole, like, having the last laugh on it when it's Roddy's thing to be doing with Orange Cat. It just kind of was, again, I don't understand why it had to be put there. Sure. And what, what what needed other than that they had set it up like Chekhov's gun earlier in the first promo, so they have to like get that set up somewhere. So that's about it. I guess so. Yeah, you, you didn't have to put it here, but really you didn't have anywhere to put it. And if that's the case, you don't need it. But they decided to use it anyway. You know what it felt like? It felt like an internet exclusive from like the late teen, uh, 20 teens on WWE. Oh, it's wow. something they would have put out on Twitter to <laughs> sure. sell, like you know, the, like the thing afterwards. Like you have to go look at our socials to oh, know what's happening gosh. backstage. And yet they don't do that; they stick it on the actual show. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it, it's it doesn't help anything. I don't know. I, I think Adam Cole. I like heel Adam Cole. Heel Adam Cole is not great at the film promos. Great at the live stuff. The film promos are starting to fall a little flat. I don't know who's in charge of those or what who in creatives kind of playing that role. Well, and not weird, to be nitpicky, yeah. but we talk acting and all that other stuff. I just don't think they're setting up those promos to succeed like they could. They just they've all kind of fallen meh. Or is it the fact that Adam Cole as a heel is closer to his own personality in certain ways so he can actually act it better live? Whereas when he's scripted as a babyface, he can pull off babyface better than he could in the ring. I buy that. Absolutely. That's a theater thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. See, we think about these things. We, we look at the psychology yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of psychology and experiments, we have the uh, forever uh, completely petrified Tony Khan giving his big <laughs> announcement on the night, uh, announcing, and I'm very upset about this because I will be missing this event. It is close to where I live. I could be going to Boston CAW. However, I will be in New York State doing puppets for children. So won't have awesome. a chance to. It's yeah, it's fifty fifty. 
Uh, he announces that coming to the Boston uh, TD Bank Garden, we are having AEW's, I believe it's business time or business, I forget what the actual call it was. The only reason that it was business was it looked like boss. Big business. For a reason. Big, Big business. business coming there because the S had a dollar sign and it had two S's on the end like boss. Foreshadowing, as we've told, been told later, there may be someone debuting at this a big free agent, which, again, is what we are talking about earlier, about AEW kicking it up another gear in a division that they're not booking. Dead DiBiase's coming back? Exactly. Is Junior, he's, though, not, he's, not the old man. Oh, no. Uh, because uh, when you don't have Cody, you need the other half of Legacy to fill out your <laughs> So, what we're yeah. leading to is that Mercedes Monet <laughs> basically has signed for AEW. Sure. Huge free agent signing, trying to help out with that, but the problem is that She's coming into a division where there is one match a night on Dynamite and one promo, and they're having her on Dynamite. So she's taking up that room. Whereas we know in Collision and Rampage, there are more women's matches to be given. Still need more of those, especially if you're bringing another big name to be that you have room to make other stories. What the hell are they going to do with this? They need to stop having <laughs> odd 20-minute trios matches. They need How about to not having Chris Jericho matches? Having not having Chris Jericho matches. I think that's a great start. Uh, goodness. I, I think this was this fell so flat. It was hysterical. You can hear people in the crowd laughing. It's called, no, 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 we're going back to the guy. We're in a big business. And you hear a bunch of people go, ha. Right like here in Winnipeg, we're going to be going big business with a big business time. These folks are laughing in the crowd and it's silent. No one's cheering. And then they awkwardly pumped in some kind of cheer because all of a sudden it was like, what are you cheering for no reason all of a sudden out of this thing? Poor Tony Khan. I, I, he wants to be the showman and the carnival barker of the, I'm not even going to invoke his name, of the 1980s style wrestling promotions. That's what he really wants to be. Yeah, he wants but to be Bobby the Brain Hammond. Yes, we could invoke that name, sure. He wants to be able to yell that, that out, man be the guy and the thing but he, he's remarkably timid I don't even fault him like it's just not his strong suit he he's passionate but he's not a good performer I guess I guess so and I and feel I like if he, if he wants to perform maybe they ought to be coaching him up or like help him out a little bit they just kind of let him drown every time how do you coach a billionaire who owns the company like that's the problem is that you, you have to run into that thing of like will he take the direction whereas you do something like Lucha Underground where you have him be like the mysterious guy who sits in his office and is on camera on occasion, doesn't speak to anybody if you want him to go that way and has a mouthpiece like a Bobby the Brain Heenan, like any type of manager that would be there that could do his talking for him. Yeah. All of a sudden, you have a great setup for that type of thing. I think he could be served a little better. You know, and even when when I saw AEW live and he came out and talked to the crowd and yelled at the crowd, he was pretty animated and looked cool and, you know, talked directly to humans. That was great. Oof, on camera, he's in his head. Poor dude's stuck. <laughs> he's it's a deer in headlights every time, and he's trying his best. And, of course, you know, that's probably take six that he's done of it, so that's the problem. Oh, that's so hard. And it's hard to rag on him. I mean, he's a billionaire, so I don't feel too bad, let's be honest. But there's also a little bit of, like, come on, maybe, maybe just don't put yourself in that position. Jesus. Well, I'd rather he put himself in that position, again, like Groundhog Day, not seeing a shadow, than, and watch, I'd watch that on repeat for the next 20 minutes instead of the match we got next, which was the Ocho Chris Jericho versus the Alpha Kanosuke uh, Takeshita. I can't even say it. You and I have, are going to have thoughts on this match. I will say what pissed me off the most about this entire match was not the lack of work of Jericho has because he's either tired, old, or anything else. It was not the slower pace at the end as Takeshita tried to set up a couple things. It was that Jericho stole Dalton Castle's look, coming out in peacock feathers on his goddamn coat and taking ostensibly someone else into his vortex of nothing and making an amazing wrestler feel cheapened because Chris Jericho feels like wearing that. Yeah. I, I feel like that could definitely be some sort of message to another section of the promotion. I didn't quite put that together, but you're right. You're not wrong. <laughs> Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Just, I bleed Dalton Castle, and this is ridiculous. It's and when just, he sees this, and he sees us talking about it, he knows that we see it. 
Oh, we, we understand. Man. Well, I, I'm really excited to maybe jump over to the ROH, and I should be there tomorrow to talk about to see how the response is from the Dalton Castle. If he's in the mop bucket. But yes, uh, this entire match, <laughs> though, this was an overbooked mess. Oh, yeah. Nuts. Which is not surprising. And and I feel, uh, I feel bad for everyone involved in this Jericho vortex right now. Because I think I get the feeling that they're all kind of hesitant. I mean, except for Don Callis. Don Callis is probably, you know, ride or die with Chris Jericho no matter what. The crowd, they zoomed in purposely on the folks singing the song to avoid the folks booing and not happy. They got super in close. There was one Jericho section you can kind of tell, and Jericho was trying to play them up because the crowd was dead for a good chunk of this. And and Jericho's really trying, really trying. There was one sign right behind the camera that said, Jericho, go back to Toronto. Like, the fans are not happy and not with it. Uh, So to keep putting him out there, I agree with a few of the folks on on the group chat for Biconics where it's like, you can't put him out there. You cannot. Not Not while these allegations are going, not while we know what we know. You got to wait for this to get buried and just put him to the side. Jericho, well, of course. There, Go ahead. He's out there with a guy against a guy in Don Callis who has his own history of, of oh, sure. stuff as well. So the only people that are like being ruined here are Takeshita, Powerhouse Hobbs, <laughs> Sammy Guevara. Why the hell did you come out? So the, the no sell on the chair to Hobbs's back was awesome. Like oh, yes, that yes. was terrifying. Like, oh, you're gonna die. The open headshot with the chair was scary and not needed. I'm conscious of those now, and I'm like, you didn't have to do that. Uh, but Hobbs took it well, and they went to the crowd near to be seen. So that was kind of one of the better moments of the match. I'm not sure why Chris Jericho put on the mask and then thought Chris Jericho was gonna jump as far as Chris Jericho was gonna jump. He couldn't see as they couldn't saw see, commentary. and then kind of had an awkward fall. The, the screwdriver thing happened so fast at the end. It was just sort of like, and pink and done cheating. Did you mm. notice, though, the screwdriver is more over than anything Jericho did? Like, the <laughs> whole thing was weird where you have Takeshita and Callus and Hobbs sure. as the heels in this. And that got a pop because they're like, yes, Jericho Jericho. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Maybe I was just so, so, sort of mad by the end. Like, oh, this is what we're doing? I gotta go watch that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's an audible, like, which they tried to mute, of a, yeah, <laughs> which you don't want to see from that because of the, <laughs> the the whole thing with it. And then Takeshita wins, putting Jericho in his own move, which, you know what? Great on that for him. He never taps out to that to begin with. And I'm glad Takeshita won. But this was a nothing match. This was a match that seemed like, do we need to fill time on this pretty non-long card? Like... We're coming up to the main event. Like, you didn't need to, like, pad for time. Well, in, and I want to say during this match, like, midway through this match, they were already talking about, we're going to go overtime. Yeah. Like, they yeah, already had in their head, like, don't worry, we know we're going overtime tonight because we got all these other things. Like, okay, I guess. But if you already know 45 minutes from now that you're going to be 15 minutes late, why didn't you just cut 15 minutes from me? <laughs> Maybe I don't need this thing or that thing. I don't know. I mean, was there a promo or two that we lost that, that we didn't get for this sure. one? Was there something else? Because the, the, there was no transition between this and the next match except for a, a commercial. Yeah. Uh, in general, like, this just felt like, okay, you apparently had a contractual obligation to get Chris Jericho and, and uh, Don Callis on your TV, and that was about it. I feel like it's wound up in contracts. I think you're right on. I think it's sort of, I need this many appearances by this many things for this, this, because I signed a deal that was this, this, that. It's got to be something like that for him to be out there still. And we talked about Chris Jericho a year ago, sort of being over certain things and not happy or interested. And since all these things have come to light and since it's been put out there and his reactions and Tony Khan's not reaction, Jericho's let himself go, let himself go. He he looks tired. He looks checked out. Uh, He he looks like he's, he's still doing the moves. He's still being safe. He's trying to put everyone over, but... He doesn't look as enthusiastic singing his own song, swinging his own bat. Like you can see, he's some... human. He can see that people aren't happy that he's there, <laughs> and that affects you as a performer. And he doesn't. And for his own thing, he doesn't understand why that is, because he doesn't feel he's in the wrong, and which is the wrong thing to think. That's the thing. Like humble yourself, take the cue. Look who it is. I know. 
It's not I see that. And, and it's just like, it's just shocking sometimes. I was like, I see it. We all see it. You don't? Really? Ah. He thinks he's right, and he's, he's the person that's been chronicling everything in this business and is the savior of it. Read his book. I mean, that's the whole point of it, is that he remembers all these things because he takes the notes and keeps keeps all the, the facts. You read his book? I did not. I have seen enough stupid TikToks about it that I know every chapter of it. But oh, my god! I never took the time to read it and will not support that for it. But no. we'll move away from that. I don't want to talk about him anymore. It's no. kind of just going to make us go down a rabbit hole. It's going to take us an hour yep. to get through out and out. We're going to go to the final match of the evening. Another thing that sucks evil in a tornado tag match for the AEW titles between Sting and Darby Allen and uh, the Pebble and Large William. Otherwise known as Ricky Starks and Big Bell. <laughs> this was a match of two halves. Sure. There like was that. before Sting threw himself off a doorway <laughs> oh and after God. Sting threw himself off a doorway. And the before half was Darby's going to run interference while Sting basically postures and beats the crap out of somebody. Sure. And the second half was, oh, God, is he dead? How do we get home? Oh, man. I had a horrible feeling when we saw his sons. That <laughs> moment, it was like, oh, look, both of Sting's sons are here. Look at the moment. Yeah. And then, like, fist bumping family and stuff. Is, is Sting a Phoenix guy? There's fans... He's close by, I believe, or at least, at least his family lives oh, near there. I okay. think it's either that or it's New Mexico, one of the two. Sure. Reasons. That sounds about right. Yeah, it was, it was sort of like, oh, the family's here. And a part of my heart was like, no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That's never a good sign. And when, it wasn't. When, when it's, again, it wasn't when any wrestler over 50 has their family in the crowd. It's like, oh, no, we're going to do a death arc. We're going to do some kind of something's going to go wrong. Uh, so yeah, I agreed. All of a sudden, it was like ring, and then they just took off and did two different things. Um, Bill tossed the hell out of Darby. Darby took some shots, and Large William. I there's a part of me, and you might have a better way of articulating this. There's some things Large William does that makes me wonder what he's hiding from the rest of us. That's the most articulate way and nicest way I can say it. I can say off the air what I want to say. But there, there's something in his eye, there's something in the gesture, there's something in the lips and the movement where I'm like, oh, Bill. Bill, honey. Oh, honey, yeah. Bill. Oh, honey, honey, darling. Bill, Bill. Bill, we'll watch Bill. Now, he's quite large. <laughs> and you can't teach that. However... You are right. There, there is some some ways he moves, some some ways he takes things. He, the 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 polite way to say it's he's quite camp, uh, in certain he, ways. Yes, yes, and 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 is trained in theater. I'm just seeing it like, oh, that means one of two things, and one might not be a choice. Like I'm looking right at you, but he is quite the performer. I will say, I one of the things I did love about the campiness of it, and just to make it that that kind of like comedy wrestling but also not is him carrying Darby from the floor yes, on his back so just to get set up to break a pin up and then falling into a table like it it's so just funny of all the things you could do yes please baby Bjorn Darby Allen and take him up with you onto the ring I just think Big Bill works better goofy he yeah. just does he always has when he was big brooding and serious two years ago or a year ago when it was just like I'm an enforcer I'm gonna kick you with the boot it was like okay fine him having a little bit of the, the slap bash and the fancy is like, oh, you, funny, I like it. When Bill's having fun, he's fun to watch. When yes. he's trying to be angry and big, tough man thing he's supposed to be, he's generic. And, he, and yeah. that's the sad, that's the sad and he, part. And he kind of leaned on that in this match was one of my takeaways. was like, look, at mm, there's, a, there's a little Dalton seasoning, if you will. <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. That's but a very different joke. It is. I did want to ask you, after we had gotten the whole thing where they got back in the ring after the sting almost died flying off the thing roof, did you see the progression of Ricky Starks just like, even though I know he knows what the outcome is going to be going to the ring, the progression he showed as he's like, oh God, I'm going to lose this match. I'm going to lose this match. I'm going to lose this match. It was the, it was the, it was the look of, oh, not like this. Yeah. Like this. This is how, this is what this is. Oh. Insert the gift from the matrix. Not like this. <laughs> Not like this. Exactly. I, I kind of felt that way too. I, I knew, 
I don't know if they knew how this was going to go or who it was going to call. I mean, you know, they know who's going to take the pin. You know, someone's throwing off Sure. Right, yeah. But I... Okay, we, we can talk about the climax into the rising action of Sting appearing in the stands. And this was just like him jumping off that ladder. You couldn't see him. You just what? saw the face floating to, there. Yeah, to the black. point where commentary had to call out and be like, I think he's up there. He's there. He's standing in the stand. You have no idea. That could be anybody there. Right. I think that jump was farther than Sting thought. Yep. Juan, who they caught him. They caught him well, but Big William's shoulder went right into the breadbasket of Sting. Oh, yeah. And you can kind of see that that collapse. And then they all do the fall. So that when they're all on the ground, Brill and Starks are fine. Sting is not here right now. Sting is gone. Oh, which, breath. which twice that happened, not to invoke the match previously, but there was a, a botch on the... Uh, off the turnbuckle thing, and Jericho hit his head so hard. I thought it was done. Game over. He bounced off the mat. And I was like, that's over. Cut it. I'm reminded of that because that was twice where I was like, oh, we're going to see a death. Yep. This was just like Sting jumping, jumping off that ladder onto a table. What was that, six, seven months ago where he was out and messed himself up? So Sting's a showman. Sting's going to give us his all. He knows the time is ticking. So, hey, why not? That was scary. I think everyone had a good... There was, I don't know, if you clock it, it's maybe three or four minutes of them getting back up. Like, uh, oh, God. Sting stumbling around, catching his breath, trying to figure out where he is. And then I think the, also looking to where do I go next in the crowd here, so... And then does the gorilla thing, because he doesn't know what to do. I'm still alive! Yeah, you're almost dead! What are you doing? Yes, after yeah. that, I think Ricky Starks is like, oh, man, it's going to be I'm just going to have to... I'm going to have to hold you up for a while. <laughs> And holds him up enough to get him to pull off the Scorpion Death Drop on him, win the match. Uh, I loved the whole thing, putting him in the Scorpion Death Lock, and like it's a tornado tag. There's no rope break. How, that was actually then, like, really funny. The, and the botch out of that, because like, oh yeah, he let him go. Because oh yeah, it's a, whatever. But, I thought he was gonna reach for something to hit him with under the ring, and I think Sting just kind of went, right, I'm done. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. My old back can't handle it. But we get to that point, the Scorpion Death Drop happens. One, two, three. We, as we predicted, have new tag team champions, the 25th championship in Sting's career, um, and they're ready to go. We think we're going to go off air. Sting's getting his farewell, and the uh, EVP Bucks pop out of nowhere and proceed in their... I actually did enjoy that they went for this visual. In their white suits, as they are the baby fesses in their, in their thing, they make Darby and Sting bleed all over them, and it is covering the suits by the end. Yeah, that was nice touch. I actually really liked that. I'm a little... I think it's... Uh, Sting's son's in the ring. F- fine. They're I not guess. wrestlers, Shivani. They're not wrestlers. They're not wrestlers. They're the civilians. Uh, they sold pretty well. Fine. I. It's really fun. One of Sting's sons looks exactly like him. Like a two or T. Like, that's eerie. And the other one looks like Jim Helwig, which is even worse. Oh, jeez. Really? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I kind of look... So, yeah, I didn't hate this. I'm sort of torn on this Young Bucks thing. I think if they're going to go full, we're just American psycho murderers that wear suits. Maybe that gives them something more to do, and maybe that might work. Okay. Yeah, I think trying to add this arc when we're only, what, less than four weeks away from Sting's final match. I think it's one too many things in the pot. I don't... I hate it. It kind of gets the bucks over, and we ha- we know what's coming, which is good. Unless unlike sure. booking it the week before, so th- there's highs and lows to it. But I think that this is running a little longer than they probably would like. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm, but I'm, but I'm intrigued enough to see to watch. Like you know, what I mean, it wasn't. Are you? Or are you just gonna watch it because it's on the pay per view? Like that's the big question here. <sighs> Right? You haven't even thought about that. Am I forcing myself to take this in because it's Sting's last match and it's on a pay-per-view? Or am I genuinely excited to see, you know, the, the, the EVP Bucks versus these two guys? I mean, put it that way. If 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 this Sting retirement wasn't an arc and it was just any run-of-the-mill thing, I wonder if I would. I would just be like, yeah, okay, man. Would I be super excited to do that? No. 
Uh, that hurts. It does, but I'm glad we're admitting it to ourselves that like yeah. they are playing us up for the emotions of it and not doing the groundwork to actually sell the reason why it's good. You, you snuck that up on me. That was a good softball pitch. Yeah, that hit me. <laughs> I played big big ones like Chicago style, no gloves and like 16 inches. Yeah. So so did I. There you I, go. I, mm-hmm. I missed that. Wreck your hands, just like Sting's face. Oh. However, in that line of wanting to watch this and, and being told you were going to watch it, I need your empanada rating for this evening. Here I need go. to know what you felt yes. about this. So please pass it along here. Out of 10 empanadas. You know, I'm, I'm confident putting this in the 8 range somewhere. Really? Finally. Uh, not high 8, but like 8. It held my interest. There was fun stuff here. I will say I'll take a point off for having such a long Jericho arc that didn't matter. So I'll kick it back down to 7. I loved... Tony Storm Red Velvet. I I'm still this is gonna be a running theme for 2024, me warming up to Trio's matches and <laughs> wanting to see those better. This one didn't disappoint me, but I was definitely like, ah, I could have gotten uh, uh. uh Swerve and Hangman, fantastic. Watching a man almost die, you know, that's always fun to see. <laughs> Especially when you don't see him doing it before he's already in the air. So <laughs> I wonder if he's gonna No 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 so yeah i'm in the the high sevens the very high sevens it should be higher but the for the for the matches for what we got for the the pace of the thing for the promos of the thing it's like oh this is hitting on cylinders good uh i won't even do i i will be kind i won't deduct points for tony khan not seeing his shadow because he doesn't have one he's never seen it before no of course he has not. no idea he doesn't even know what it looks like in a mirror vampires live forever exactly and we all know the cons in general have been known as vampires for years uh, allegedly. However, I will also say I'm joining you on that high seven as well for the same thing. The first half of the show was an eight, 8.5. Yeah. And then Jericho kind of sucked the life out of it for me. And then that hurt the end of the night because it wasn't a bad tornado tag. It wasn't the best I've ever seen. Had moments of camp. Had Sting nearly killing himself. So, again, that brought it up. So, high sevens always work for me. Yeah, Sting's 64 doing that jump. And I'm 40, and I couldn't even think about it. But that's beside the point. I mean, I think about it. What are they paying Sting? Not as much as they're paying you to fight. But, Professor. Hey. This is fun. This is great. We should do this again. Well, probably next week, right? Maybe. I would assume so. We might have somebody else with us, though, which is really good. That's fair. Should we bring them along with us, too, though? Do you think they should come? I mean, they might appreciate it, yeah. I mean, I appreciate doing it for them. Otherwise, it's just you and I should shoot the breeze. I mean, it's fine. We'll figure it out. I mean, if you wanted that from us on Patreon, just the professor and I having a conversation because we're so energetic and entertaining, obviously we can go with there. Send us your money. We will do that. We are dancing monkeys for your pleasure. Patreon, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Exactly. But for now, the one thing we will talk about is for you, professor, for myself. We love having you here. Thank you for being your Biconic selves because you are Biconic. We are both very Biconic. You can tell that. Mm-hmm. And we have now shared Dynamite with you for this week. And I've shared it with you, John, and I appreciate it. And we'll see you in the next video. And I'm going to keep talking through my head cold because this sounds weird. I can't wait to hear the audio playback. I have that. Okay. Uh, maybe, that. maybe it's good I don't have this power because <laughs> we have sad walking away music. Oh. We do. We, are, we have incredible Hulk music. 